Podcast Answer Man, episode number 219. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. everybody and welcome back to another episode of the podcast answer man my name is cliff ravenscraft and this is the podcast about podcasting helping you take your show to the next level it does not matter if you're a brand new podcaster if you've been podcasting for many years or if you're just waiting to launch your very first episode there's something we can all do to take our show to the next level Well, everybody, I want to welcome you back to the 219th episode here of Podcast Answer Man. And as I had mentioned in the previous episode of Podcast Answer Man, I am not recording this live on Thursday, but instead recording this uh, secretly on another day and another time throughout my week. And I just want to say I, I automatically feel really good about today's episode. I don't feel any pressure. The only thing is, is it just so happens to be that I chose a day and a time to schedule this when it happens to be that my next door neighbor happens to be home and mowing his lawn next door. Now, thankfully, I have a dynamic microphone and not a condenser microphone in my studio and also making use of the gate functionality of my MDX 4600 compressor limiter gate. And so, therefore, while I hear the uh, the actual next door neighbor's lawnmower right now here in just overall, I don't think that you're going to be able to hear it too much at all in this episode, which makes uh, things pretty nice. So anyway, we're going to move right along here, and I want to let you know I am switching things up a bit. First and foremost, I want to tell you that I have been using Google Docs for my show notes preparation, uh, basically keeping track of all the topics that I'm going to cover, links to stories, and all of these different things, and I've I've gone back and forth and used various different means of uh, preparing show notes in advance for uh, not just this show, but I also produce about somewhere between 7 to 15 episodes a week, and those are all different podcasts. And so I, I have a lot of things to keep uh, track of, and for the last, I'd say last 6 to 8 months, I've been using a single Google Doc shared with as many as 5 different co-hosts. And each of them broken with a horizontal line with, you know, breaking it down for each show. And we all share that same Google document. We could all be inside it at the same time. And, it, and it's worked really nice. The only thing is, is with Google Docs, my main grief there was that I really wanted something that's going to make it very simple for me after we're finished re- reviewing the topics in our podcasts to easily take that and convert it into show notes and for that, in my mind, what I'm always looking for is just a very brief, short kind of title for the topic, like switching to Wonderlist for show prep stories. I'm not looking for the show notes preparation document to actually write out everything, or, but, but just something like a, like a headline. You know, so each topic would have a headline. And and so therefore, if and of course, I would love the functionality that if I do have some additional notes that I want to remind myself of to have those. And in a Word doc, 
those things can kind of get all over the place, especially when you have six or seven different people all doing things their way to track notes and things. And so there's not a lot of uniformity. The other thing is, is with Google Docs, you can uh, get into, you know, sometimes it goes back to its default uh, font size, which I was not very crazy about. I always like to take it, you know, to highlight everything on the document and then change it to font font size 9. I like it real crisp. And people have the ability sometimes to just copy something off of the web and then paste it into the doc. And that sometimes will keep the formatting from the actual original document. So the font colors may be different. The 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 actual font itself could be different and and it just it's it's just not as easy to follow as as simply a list would be and so i've i've done all kinds of different things i've tried to get my co-hosts to switch over to a mind map which is what i'm literally tracking all my archives with my assistant and some of my co-hosts were like i just don't understand what you're trying to accomplish here and it's kind of confusing and and it does have this big branch out i mean like the last nine months worth of uh, shows are on a mind map and they're collapsible and expandable and and to be honest with you it is it's, it's a little crazy and it's a little it's it's highly OCD obsessive compulsive disorder oriented for me uh, but anyway it works it works great for me and it did not work great for them so we chose to keep the Google Doc when I switched over to that method but the Google Doc still has been frustrating to me it just with all these different fonts and it's you know, I, I at the end of the day, the one thing that's keeping me from having my assistant post and publish episodes to the web is not getting her the content, not her processing, you know, my special, you know, secret sauce from Adobe Audition. No, it's always she's waiting for me to provide her the show notes. And well, I am switching everything over to Wunderlist, W-U-N-D-E-R-L-I-S-T. Now, I do have one co-host that is kind of like leery about something new. He really likes Google Docs. And so I told him, I said, listen, if you'd be willing to try it for one week, if you don't like it, we'll go back to the Google Doc for this one show. That's not a problem. But I think he's really going to like it, even though he actually is creating a Wunderlist account just for this purpose. Whereas actually all of my other co-hosts are using Wunderlist uh, personally. So they already have an account. They're already using it anyway. And it's a great way for them to to just jump right in. So the good news is that Wunderlist is completely free, uh, free on the web, free on uh, the desktop versions that are available for uh, Mac and PC, and free on the iPhone, free on the iPad. Tons of different ways to get Wunderlist. It's 100% free. I've looked for ways to pay them so that, you know, I can hope that they'll stay around forever without tons of advertising and all this other stuff. But as far as I can tell, there's not a premium version. Uh, if there was, I would probably sign up for it because of how much I rely on it now. Not just for show prep now, but I, I use it for all my t- task management. And I, I love Wunderlist, W-U-N-D-E-R-L-I-S-T. Well, anyway, I created a bunch of different lists. And how I'm organizing them is I, I title the sh- um, list. I started off with show, S-H-O-W, hi- uh, space, hyphen, space and then the uh, letter representation for the for the show for example the show's notes for this show here is show dash pam p-a-m for podcast answer man and for help i get a mac will be show dash h-i-g-a-m and then i basically have those in a list alphabetically and so as i think of new topics that i want to create in a show especially when i'm out and about 
I don't have to try to get into a Google Doc on my iPhone, which is not fun. Um, I, instead, I can just pull, pull up Wunderlist, add a little topic there, boom, it immediately syncs to my to my list. And there is a sharing feature uh, functionality with it. So I can actually share a list with somebody. For example, if Chris Biting for help on Mac, got a Mac, was to find a topic that he liked and he added it from his iPhone, his iPad, the web, wherever his desktop version, doesn't matter. If he adds a topic, then it immediately, well, within a couple minutes, it will show up in my list as well. And it will, the cool thing is, is you can easily rearrange topics, uh, or they're, they're actually still called tasks, but, uh, the topics can be arranged in order by dragging and dropping. And it, it's just a really great way, I think, that's going to help me to, Keep these stories uh, in a, in a nice new fashion, and the thing is, it's a li- it's a list. It's a it is a list, and that kind of forces you to create that headline that I'm looking for. And um, if there's a link to an original story, I'm asking my co-host, and I've been asking them to do this in the in the actual Google Doc as well. Um, but what I ask them to do is to actually create a shortened URL to that story and paste that into Wunderlist. Now this is one of the other things that I did not like about Google Docs is Google Docs, if you paste a link in there and you actually hit enter, it will it will make the link active. Well the thing is though is the link is not an actual link to that. They actually mask the link and do a redirect and it actually gives you a warning. If you're in the Google Doc and you click on it, um, then it will actually say, hey, you're, you just clicked on a link in Google Docs and this is going to take you to this address. Are you sure you want to go there? And the and it's like, okay, well, I see that that's for protection purposes. That's great and all. But if that link is active in the Google Doc and then I copy and paste that into my email to my to my assistant, if she was to take that that actual hyperlink where it's underlined, if she copies and pastes that into, let's say, the uh, the... Uh, WYSIWYG editor of WordPress and pastes it in there, she's pasting in the pre-coded redirect from Google Apps or Google Docs uh, into that show notes. And so when people are clicking in my show notes, they would actually click that and and um, they would actually get that Google redo- redirect notice. And I had noticed that happened one time. And of course, since then, I made sure that, you know, during, you know, when we're adding these links, yes, it's great to have them hyperlinked and active so that as we're talking in our show, we can click on it and pull up the, the, the actual website for reference purposes. But, um, after the show is done, while I'm creating the show notes, you know, for the episode to send over to my assistant, I have to go in and re, and actively remove those hyperlinks that they created so that I just get the text-based stuff. Whereas in Wunderlist, when you add a shortened URL to a task item, it is active and it's the real link. And so I like that, you know, no longer is it two clicks to get to a story, it's one click to get a, get to a story. So that, that that's a benefit. And then when I'm all finished after an episode, I can actually, there's an email icon and I can just click email and I can email that list to um, my assistant. And she can actually just see the list and she can formulate the notes for me on my behalf. She can actually write out some you know, custom things. Or I can just email it to myself and then quickly reformat that email and forward it on to my assistant. So I'm really excited about moving things away from wound, from Google Docs to wunderlist.com, W-U-N-D-E-R-L-I-S-T.com. 
Uh, oh, and one other real quick thing, and then we'll move on to the next topic here, is that you can upload. That have I don't know if you guys ever heard of Cloud App. It's get my or getcloudapp.com. Absolutely love their service. Well, anyway, Wunderlist has an account with them, and you can actually share your. You can actually share your list with the cloud and it actually says share with cloud app on this little cloud icon and it says this feature allows you to share your list with cloud app uh, if you click yes your list gets uploaded to cloud app and a and you'll get a secret url that will be generated you can use the url to share your task easily with others and do not who do not have a wonder list account or share them uh, publicly on twitter Hint, this is permanent. Anyone who knows the URL will be able to see your current list. It gets it it gets deleted automatically after 30 days. Okay, now the cool thing is is that you can click yes, go ahead and share it, and it gives you the link, and you click the little copy link button, and it will take your list as it is now and and upload it to Cloud App, and then you can paste that into Twitter and to for me, I can say, hey folks, here are the show notes of what we're looking at today. And just before the show starts, I can post it into the chat room for Social Media Serenity, and everybody can be looking at those show notes. Now, the thing is, is that as we add new list items back and forth and stuff like that, that that web-created version of my list is not going to show the new stuff. It's only going to show things as of the time that I actually shared it. So what was on the list when I shared it is only what gets published to the web, nothing new. And uh, so... just some functionality there, but that's going to be a great way for me to say, "Hey, folks, thanks for joining live. If you want to see the, if you want to link to the stories as we're looking at them, uh, here's a link to our show notes." And uh, let me just cl- click here real quick because I just did this, and I want to see if those links are hyperlinked as well, and they are. So even the hyperlinks are hyperlinked for folks as they're listening live. Wounder list for my show notes prep. I'm excited about it. Hey, um, real quickly here, moving on to our next thing, uh, we have our, our first question of the week, and this comes in from Brian, and he's got a question about feed burner. So, uh, Brian, take it away. Hey, this is Brian from the We Are In Control podcast. My question is about RSS feeds. Namely, um, I'm kind of doing a redesign, and I've learned a lot from my mistakes and learned what I've been doing wrong since I started this. So, even though I am publishing via RSS my podcast to iTunes, I realize the need to use FeedBurner. So my question is, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start over from scratch. Should I be using, should the basis of the FeedBurner feed be the original RSS that is that I can develop through Libsyn? Or should it be through my website? Now I plan to do a separate feed entirely for my blog. But for the actual podcast... Should I create the XML file using the uh, uh, software that uh, Libsyn uh, does in order to create that RSS feed, then use that as the basis for the FeedBurner feed, and then use the FeedBurner feed to publish the podcast, uh, not only to iTunes, but to everything else that I want to use it for. So that's really my question. Where should the feed really start? Should the URL that's listed in the RSS come from Libsyn, or should it just be my website? Thanks a lot. That's my question. Take care. All right, Brian, thank you very much for your question, and I am going to answer that for you. And the good news is that if you are using FeedBurner, which is not required for podcasting, by the way, but it is something that I personally highly recommend, 
uh, for podcasters to use. And the good news is that if you were to originate your RSS, use the original feed as being the feed coming from Libsyn, and you sent that over to FeedBurner, and you did went through all the trouble of submitting to iTunes and all the other directories and putting links for everybody on your website to click through and subscribe to the FeedBurner feed, well, if you found out later that Cliff says, ah, you know what, you really shouldn't do that from Libsyn, you should actually pull that, the original feed should be coming from your WordPress feed. Well, the good news is that if you you did it all wrong in the beginning, if you're using FeedBurner, it's not a big deal because people are subscribed to your FeedBurner feed and not your Libsyn feed. And so if you decided to switch it and pull it off of the Libsyn feed and say, hey, instead, I want you to get the information from WordPress, then you can do that in the dashboard. That's something you can change. And and that's the benefit of, that's the main benefit of FeedBurner is that it is going to allow you to change the original feed at any time and, um, and, and your, your subscribers will never notice the difference. The, unless, for example, you switch it to a feed that has different content altogether and there's a big, huge back archive and then they might actually, on their next update, see a list of new content that's available for them to download that they hadn't downloaded before. But um, anyway, so but to answer your question, Brian, my recommendation is that your original feed pull from your WordPress. Now, I know you said you wanted to use a different, um, you wanted to have a different feed for your blog and a different feed for your podcast. Um, and and I, I assume that you have reasons for doing that. I kind of like combining the two myself. Uh, as far as for the people who are subscribed to the blog, I like them to also get the podcast episodes because my show notes are hopefully going to be reminiscent of a blog post anyway. Uh, and clicking on the audio to listen to the podcast is is a even you know more of a you know in depth listen if you will of of the things that are kind of just highlighted there in that actual post or show notes. So I like to include at least include my podcast episodes with the you know very good robust show notes into the blog feed if somebody's going to subscribe to the blog. But I do like having the podcast have its own category as well and taking the RSS feed just from the podcast category and sending that to FeedBurner to submit to all the podcasting directories because podcast directories are pretty much only going to be looking at media attached content or enclosed content such as MP3 files, PDF documents, and, and video files and such. So with that being said, what I recommend is, again, I like the idea of having a blog category and creating an RSS feed for it, but I would include when I publish an episode of Podcast Answer Man, um, I, I don't think I do this, but the thing is, is on Podcast Answer Man, if you're subscribing to the feed there for the blog, I think you're subscribing to the whole site anyway. It's all it's all together. Um, but in the instance, if you're a blogger adding a podcast, I would I would actually, when I publish an episode of a podcast, I would include that in the blog category where people subscribe to the blog are getting it. But I also would have created a separate category called podcast. And then if you have your permalink set up right, it could be yourdomain.com or yourdomain slash category slash podcast slash feed. And that gives you an RSS feed just for your podcast. And then send that off as the original feed for iTunes and you're golden. Hopefully that made sense for you, Brian. If not, call back and let us know or post notes in the show notes for episode 219 at podcastanswerman.com.
Com. All right, moving on to our next topic here. I want to give you an update on my AWeber switchover. Remember, I told you I switched my mailing list from MailChimp over to um, AWeber. And of course, if you want to read the, it's it's a lengthy blog post, but I think I spent a lot of time on it for great reason, and I think it's an important talk. Do, topic to discuss uh and it's podcastanswerman.com slash a weber that's a w e b e r so that's a w e b e r so podcastanswerman.com slash a weber basically in that blog post what i shared was that i was not happy with some of the results that i was seeing from my mailchimp mailing list and um, what I had noticed is when I first started my MailChimp mailing list, my open rates were really, really high. I'm talking about you know 80 to 90 percent all the time, and I started to see some of my own copies of my uh, newsletter messages or emails that I was sending out through my mailing list. I saw a lot of my own messages to me as a subscriber of the list showing up in my spam folder. And I and right around that time, I started to see a massive decrease in the number of opens of my emails and uh, or the percentage anyway. I mean, it was dropping to as low as 30 or 40 percent open rate. And that was just uncharacteristic of of my community. I happen to know that my community is more interested in in what I'm sharing via an email than that. And I know that based upon the fact that, you know, I'm I'm not sharing an email just all the time. I'm I'm very cautious about people's inbox. Well, my my thoughts and everything were all confirmed now as the result of my first two broadcast messages on my AWeber list. Now I, I'm in the blog post, I talked about the fact that it was a very difficult move to to move things from <clears throat> one mailing list to another, but I'm glad that I did it because here's what happened. On June 22nd, 2011 at 6.34 p.m., I sent out a message with the subject line of a lot going on this summer, and after, I guess it took probably about a week and a half before I got to here. But I am telling you, I have a 99.1% open rate. My friends, 99.1%. That's almost, That's. I mean, that's 99 out of 100 people who received the message opened that message. And also, I got a 44.3% click rate. So that's 44.3% of the people percent of the people who received the message actually clicked on links within the message and it actually generated substantial amount of business for me personally and i'm just i'm just comparing that to some of the more recent um mailchimp uh messages that i sent and it it really does indicate to me that yeah i was missing out on a lot uh, the the second email i sent out was on july 10th so that was 3 days ago as of our the time that I'm recording this. So actually, it's less than three days ago. Um, Not quite three full days yet. And I put, uh, the subject line was something about, I'm back from my road trip, I'm back from my trip and ready to roll. And in three days, I'm already at 79.3%. Now, if I, this is putting me right in line with where my first broadcast message was. And if I were to look at this again next week, I would imagine this is going to be right around the 90 to 99% open rate. 
And uh, so far, just three days later, 21.4% of the people who received the message clicked on a link or links within the message. So I just want to say, once again, I am very happy that I moved to AWeber. If you are interested, again, in that blog post, it's podcastanswerman.com slash AWeber. And of course, I will have a link to that in the show notes here for Podcast Answer Man, episode number 219. All right, moving along, we have a review of uh, Jewel Beat from my good friend Steve Vischer, and uh, Steve's going to tell us what he thinks about the service, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, this is a service where you can go to jewelbeat.com, that's J-E-W-E-L-B-E-A-T.com, and get 99 cent per file, per music file, for royalty-free music that you can use in your podcast, which is unheard of. I mean, usually these things run about $30 to $40, sometimes even $50. Worth it, but for $0.99, I'm like, I'm a little skeptical. I've gotten some people who shared some skepticism, but overall, uh, the community here at gspn.tv and podcastanswerman.com, everybody's really loving this service. And in fact, here is Steve's review right here. G'day Cliff, it's Steve Vischer here from the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast here in Melbourne, Australia with some feedback for the podcast Answer Man show. Just wanted to give a little bit of feedback for Jewel Beat, which you mentioned a show or two back, offering uh, 99 cent music tracks uh, royalty free for uh, podcasts and uh, all sorts of other projects. So uh, after hearing about it, I thought I would uh, go and have a look because I'm always on the lookout for uh, new sound effects and uh, new music tracks to uh, use uh, in my podcast. And I must admit, uh, with offering 99 cent tracks uh, like you, Cliff, I was a little bit sceptical. Wasn't exactly sure what I was going to find when I got there, but I'd have to say that uh, I was pleasantly surprised. The tracks seem very much on par in terms of quality with what you would find at uh, musicbakery.com, for instance. And when you go to Music Bakery, of course, you can be paying, you know, around $40 US for a track. So obviously there's a, a huge price differential here with Jewel Beat at $0.99. Cents. The site is not particularly well laid out. It's uh, you got to do a little bit of digging around to find what you're after. They do offer uh, 1,000 free sound effects uh, with every order. Um, I actually thought they might send that to you in some sort of uh, bulk download. But in fact, you've actually got to access that in another section on the site. However, the license that they give you... and Cliff, I'll uh, send through a copy of the license they sent me just so you can have a look at it. They do offer an extended license uh, if you uh, think you're going to distribute the song that you download more than one million times. Now, of course, I'd be thrilled if I could distribute anything that I produce that many times, but uh, I think for now that's probably not going to be an issue for me. And uh, the only other thing that I noticed is that uh, when you bring down a music track, the download speeds seem to be a little slow. Now, being down here in Australia, that may be just a function of the way the internet uh, works down here. It can be a little bit slow at times depending on the time of day now i've downloaded about eight tracks so far and i'm just playing one in the background for you just to give an idea of the quality Uh, they all seem to be about uh, the same sort of quality as this. They come in high bitrate stereo. You can download them as MP3 or in WAV, which is handy. And the other thing I like about it is, just as you'll find at uh, Music Bakery, at Jewel Beat, you also get the option of getting the full version of the track, a modified full version, a 60 second, a 30 second, a 15 second, and about a 7 second sting. Now that's very handy for me because I run advertising in my podcast and uh, we're always looking for a short clip down, rather catchy backing music 
to put underneath those advertisements. So all up so far, I think uh, Jewel Beat, uh, it's uh, fairly safe. I don't know whether you've had time to check it out. I assume you have, but uh, I'm pretty happy with it and I think I'll continue to use it. Thanks, Cliff. Bye for now. All right, Steve, thank you so much for a very thorough and well-prepared uh, review of Jewel Beat and your feedback is extremely in line. I mean, it's pretty much in line with everything that I've heard from everybody else who's checked it out. And yes, I have had a little bit more time to play around with the service and it does look on the up and up. And I plan on continuing to use it as well for as long as a 99 cent royalty free music service is available. So um, thank you very much, Steve, for that. And uh uh, very 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 good feedback and and folks if you haven't done so already go over and check out jewelbeat.com now for those of you who are trying to keep things even cheaper if, if 99 cents is still just a little bit too steep for your pocketbook and your budget for your music tracks for your podcast perhaps you could look at songify that's right songify the iphone app if you haven't heard about this it is a funny a uh, little application that's available for free, and they have some in-app purchases if you want some additional songs. But um, Songify is put together by these people who are doing this thing called, uh, I think it's called Auto-Tune the News. It's oftentimes where they'll take people from you know news stories where they're interviewing people, and they create these little catchy to- you know songs and stuff like that. I don't really follow them a whole lot, but I, I've certainly seen you know one or two of these things passed around and talked about on various other you know, media that I consume. And so I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with auto-tune the news and, uh, and some of the more viral campaigns that they've had. Um, but anyway, Songify for the iPhone app is basically what it does is it auto-tunes your voice to make you on pitch as if you were singing a song. Now, I, was, I, was, I heard about this and we played with it live on social media Serenity, uh, actually in the post show. It wasn't in a show. But uh, we, we talked about this um, in our post show and I recorded something just off the back. And <clears throat> what I did was I said, you know, I, I, I fired up the application and I just talked into it. And I used the same kind of opening thing here that I do all the time for Podcast Answer Man. So I have my iPhone right in front of me. I hit the record button and I say, hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man, the podcast about podcasting. Doesn't matter if you're a brand and you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, anyway, this application recorded my voice, and again, I'm not singing it or anything like that. I'm just speaking the words, and this is an this is just a sample of what comes out as a result. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Podcast Answer Man, the podcast about podcasting. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you've been podcasting for many years, or if you are just getting ready to record your first show, there's something we can all do to take our show to the next level. There's something we can all do to take our show to the next level. Back to another episode of Podcast Answer Man, the podcast about podcasting. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new podcaster, if you've been podcasting for many years, or if you are just getting ready to record your first show, there's something we can all do to take our show to the next level. Well, there you go, my friends. Uh, For those of you who said I should never make a debut of uh, singing ever again, here on Podcast Answer Man, I think I just uh, I, I just blew that. But anyway, um, it's a lot of fun to play around with. It's a free application. It's called Songify. I don't think that you would want to use it for the intro of your show, uh, but uh, I must say that's a catchy little tune. I, 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 
in a way, I think I might like that. But um, <laughs> anyway, needless to say, I think I'll stick to the theme song we have now for a while. Hey, moving on to our next topic here, we have a call from Richard from Boston who has some feedback related to uh, some advice that I gave about controlling audio levels on the Ederall. Hey, this is uh, Richard from Boston with a comment for the podcast Answer Man. In episode 217, you answered the question about uh, levels uh, going into a Ederall. Um, and I agree with what you said with one caveat. Uh, it, it, you said it doesn't matter where you uh, adjust the levels. However, uh, you should point out that it's generally not a good idea to have any one of your devices up near the maximum because it's very possible that uh, uh, it may introduce noise and or distortion into the chain. So rather than have two very low and one very high, if you supposing you have three devices, it would be better to have all three somewhere around the middle. Uh, not, I'm, I understand that not all devices will introduce noise, but some might. And in general, it's best practice to have uh, any device not at the maximum. Good show. Keep up the good work. All right, Richard, thank you very much for the feedback. And yes, that's, that is a good point. If you happen to have a device that when you crank the 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 volume all the way up on it and it does introduce uh, a little bit of extra noise, then feel free uh, to try to back it off just a hair and see if you can't get it to uh, take away that noise. I do know that there are some Tascam recorders that do that um, and some mixers will do that as well. Uh, but for the, I, I know for those of you who are using the Mackie 1402 VLC3, the Ederall R-09HR, the R Roland R-05, these these units, I've seen them, you know, maxed up in some areas, and and I don't necessarily see that, but I have seen exactly uh, what Richard is talking about, and if you, uh, it, it is it is a good idea not to max them out. The only thing is, I will say, is that my at a raw recorder is currently maxed out at 80 uh, on the input level. It is cranked all the way to the top and I do that so that I can pull audio from my computer clips without getting this sound. And only those of you with headphones on um, and and good headphones uh, heard that little tiny sound in the background. Uh, and that's that happens if I actually have to gain my my mixer up loud enough or too loud to um, pull in the audio clips from uh, the computer. But anyway, Richard, great additional advice, and I thank you for sharing it. All right, uh, next up, I got a, a, a voicemail from Hank saying thank you, and uh, this is what he had to say. Hi, Cliff. This message is for Podcast Answer Man. My name's Hank Osborne from DaddyLife.net Podcast. I just wanted to thank you for your encouragement. This week I recorded my second episode of the DaddyLife.net podcast and I actually uh, forwarded some of my listeners over to you and told them about the challenge that you gave a couple of weeks ago in one of your podcasts where you asked your listeners if they had started a podcast yet and if they had not, why, if they had been listening to you for a few episodes, five or more I think you said, why they hadn't started one of their own. I've got some experience podcasting from years ago and 
your challenge uh, lit the fire under me and I've recorded my second episode. First one was about 17 minutes and the second one's about 20 minutes. So just wanted to say thanks and let you know I gave a plug in my se second episode about you and the encouragement you gave me and I really appreciate it. Wish you the best. God bless. Thanks. All right, Hank, thank you so much. And I am so delighted to get your feedback, to know that just something that I said in a podcast inspired you to to take your show to the next level. And I even say that at the beginning of every episode. It doesn't matter if you haven't even created your very first episode. There's something we can all do to take our show to the next level. And for you, that next level was recording that first episode. And now to know that you have two of those episodes as a result of something that I might have shared in this podcast I can't tell you just how much that means to me. And 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 I know that I'm saying the words, but it really does mean a lot more than I can even express. And the cool thing is, Hank, is that you are joined by about 10 to 15 other brand new podcasters who also have recorded their first episode as the inspiration of that exact same podcast episode. Uh, some folks have just emailed me and said, you know what, I, I heard you say this and I don't know what it was. I, I've been listening to you for a very long time, but for some reason, what you said clicked. I've been listening for a long time. I haven't been doing anything. I'm a, I, it seems like I'm consistently thinking I have to be perfect. I, and then all of a sudden you said, you know what, just go and do something. And they did it and I'm delighted. So... Uh, check it out. Uh, what was it? DaddyLife.net. Um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And so uh, folks can come check you out over there, Hank. And congratulations on producing two episodes. And I hope it, that you make it at least past 10 episodes because then you're, you're, you're moving in the right direction. All right, uh, real quickly, I want to let you know that I made a new purchase of a technology gadget, and it has something to do with Podcast Answer Man here, I believe. I can tie it in. It is the Roku XDS streaming media player. Now, this is a TV set top box. Uh, it's a little tiny thing. It's only a couple inches wide and one inch tall, and the the Roku, it's R-O-K-U, uh, Roku and the one that I have is the XDS, Streaming Media Player. Uh, this thing has the ability to do up to 1080p, uh, and it has HDMI output to your television. also has composite for older televisions if you happen to have a non-HD TV laying around. Uh, it has wireless N. It actually has the multi-band wireless N, which is the latest um, version of wireless. It was, I think, it was ninety-nine dollars. Did I pay? Did I actually pay a full ninety-nine? Here's the cool thing: I, I have my hyperlink in my to my Amazon. Yeah, it's ninety-nine ninety-nine. And if you're Amazon Prime, you get it free shipping, which is very cool. I'm gonna have this thing delivered to me on. Friday, so I got my free shipping on that as well. And by the way, I do have an Amazon affiliate link to this in the show notes here for Podcast Answer Man episode 219. Um, why why is this Podcast Answer Man related? Well, because Roku, this Roku box is going to allow me to stream HD Netflix to my TV, but also it, I may actually reinvestigate a look into Hulu Plus. I'm not excited about paying a monthly subscription and having ad advertisements, but there may be some TV shows that our family might want to watch that is not available anywhere else um, except for there. And so that could be potential. I, I'm, I'm personally looking forward. Oh, and by the way, uh, Amazon 
streaming TVs and TV episodes and movies as well that you can buy. Those can be streamed here uh, right to the box. And because I'm Amazon Prime, there are some videos and TV shows that are absolutely free included with my Prime membership to Amazon. So uh, that's going to be nice. Also, I can stream uh, Pandora to my uh, entertainment system, the speakers there. Uh, so, it, it, you know, of course, a lot of this stuff I could do just by hooking my Mac up to my TV. But having the Roku box is a lot simpler solution than going in and reconnecting and unconnecting, you know, the little uh, mini display port in the back and switching over and everything. It, it just It's just going to make life a little bit easier. And not to mention the fact that uh, it's got a remote control, so I'm not actually having to get up and go and pause them, you know, these shows or whatever from the keyboard up at the top. And yeah, I know that there are iPhone apps that allow me to do that manually or remotely from my seat as well. But anyway, I'm pretty excited about the the thing. And and mostly, believe it or not, one of the leading factors for me is because, you know, Leo Laporte more and more on his This Week in Tech and Mac Break Weekly podcast, they're becoming a little bit more painful to listen to in audio form. And the reason why I say that is because sometimes, you know, they'll t- spend five to seven minutes talking or reacting, not even talking, but reacting to what they're displaying on the screen because they are so focused on video these days. And it's becoming less enjoyable to listen to their content, which is a shame because I I really am having less and less time to watch things, at least in front of a computer. And uh, I, it, it seems to me like Leo Laporte definitely wants to recreate his old, this, you know, this old... Uh, ZDTV model or the you know tech TV model, and he's going to you know live broadcast. I know that that's the vision that he has. I don't think it's the best way to go, but it's what he wants to do, and I'm not going to to knock him for that. And and if that's the way that he's geared, that's going to be the you know the if he's gearing his stuff to be video, then obviously the best way to consume it is going to be in video. Uh, and I'm, I've actually tried, I I have pocket apps on my phone and I, and our pocket casts on my phone and I subscribe to the video feed and yes, it allows it to play it in audio only, but those things get a little piled up at times and, and those big video files take up so much space on my phone and I've only got a 16 gig iPhone. So I went back to the only audio versions and you know what? I, I've decided with everything all combined because Leo prefers to put it out in video to use the 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 you know the to use the benefits of having video I mean, I'm not saying there aren't benefits to having video you can really demonstrate a lot and stuff like that uh, I still think they are a lot of talking heads but I think this week in tech and and especially with their brand new studio that they got going on they're moving to more professional look and feel of everything that they're doing and uh, I feel like in a way they are this weekend, you know, twit.tv is actually becoming a lot more like what I used to like watching the screensavers and uh, and the whole call for help kind of deal. And and they are they definitely have the quality cameras and the switchers and the the graphic overlays and, and stuff like that. So I, I, I literally am. I'm buying a Roku so that I can watch internet video and mostly so I can watch Leo Laporte stuff there on demand and also Ice Road Truckers. <laughs> I like Ice Road Truckers. Uh, now, with that being said, I still 
I still prefer audio over video. And if you ever want to know why, just go to podcastanswerman.com slash business. Uh, and again, that's uh, podcastanswerman.com slash business. And I'm just typing it in myself just to make sure. Um, yeah, the power of podcasting for your business. All right. So podcastanswerman.com slash business. But I just want to let you know, I, I, I'm purchasing this device. I've, I don't have an Apple TV. Um, but, and, and I have not had a set top box. We, and the thing is we are net Netflix subscribers. So we also have the streaming. I know that they're increasing the price. It's only going up $5 a month for us because we had the two DVD deal and the streaming. So it's not that bad, uh, for, for us personally. And, um, you know, we've been using the Wii to do that. And I think it's been only 480p that's coming out of, uh, out of uh, the Wii, and so I, it'll be nice to actually watch Netflix with a higher resolution uh, and also have the benefit of all these other things that, that the Roku box will will stream. So if anybody else is out there and you're interested in buying one, again, I do have an affiliate link in the show notes section for Podcast Answer Man, episode 219, and uh, anyway, there you go. Want to let you know also in up uh, in coming up in here in the future, I am going to be doing an interview with uh, the COO, Chief Operating Officer of Servant Hosting, and I think that's all scheduled for next week. So I don't know if it'll be in in episode two twenty or two twenty one, but looking forward to that. It's going to be talking about we're going to talk about the difference between shared hosting and virtual private servers and dire- dedicated servers and. And at a much deeper level than even I understand and can explain. We're going to have somebody who really does this and does it well. And uh, so I'm looking forward to having Christian on here and uh, and doing that interview. So look forward to that in the very near future. Of course, if you want to call in your questions for the podcast here, I encourage you to do so. It's one way that you can get as many free answers as you want out of me. Uh, in fact, I get a, a the I, if I do a search in my Gmail uh, my Google Apps Gmail account. If I do a search with quote, quick question, end quote, um, I, I literally get thousands of responses because I, I get somewhere between 40 to 100 plus emails every day. And quick question is in probably about 20 to 30% of those those emails. And whenever I do that, I, I say, hey, do you mind calling this into the voicemail feedback hotline for the show? I'd be happy to answer it there for you. Or I could set up a one-on-one consulting call. Here's my hourly rate. Or here's a tutorial that I have that you can purchase, you know, that has the answers to this. Or you can call it in and I'll answer for free. Or here's a podcast episode where I did answer it in the past. Those are usually my stock answers that I I write back to people. But if you have a question, I'm happy to answer it for you here. Just like uh, Brian who wanted to know what's the, where should his original feed come from for his feed burner feed? If you have questions like that related to podcasting new media, give us a call on our voicemail feedback hotline, 859-795-4067. Again, the phone number, 859-795-4067. Hey, folks, the Podcasting A to Z course officially kicked off this past Monday. It is going awesome. Absolutely awesome. Already seeing some amazing things happen, happening even faster than before. Um, if you're interested in an upcoming podcasting A to Z course, uh, may happen in September. If you are interested in that, please email me, cliff at podcastanswerman.com. Tell me to put you on the list for September 
and uh, get your name on there uh, first before anybody else, and that way we can make sure we secure you a spot. I won't invoice you until uh, until August on that, so and it won't be in due until September first anyway. So if you are interested, let me know, and I'll be happy to add you to that list for when I'm ready to start marketing it. Anyway, folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Podcast Answer Man. I'll be back again next week. And I, I just want to say I'm really glad that I moved this out of the live show format. I, today was no pressure. And whether you noticed it or not, I paused two different times during this recording and uh, started to say something and decided to start saying it a different way. And now that I'm about ready to end with this music here, I'm going to go in and edit a little bit out and it's going to sound great. Anyway, God bless you all. Until next time, join the community. Join the community.